Right. Good to have you here this morning. And uh, let's go ahead and take our Bibles and we're going to turn to a familiar text to begin with. And then we're going to go to the book of Matthew after that as we consider some thoughts on seeing and understanding the kingdom of God. And uh, we'll see again this thought of seeing and understanding the kingdom of God both in John chapter 3 and also in Matthew chapter 13. And so I want to begin here in John chapter 3. And uh, we'll go ahead and read the first eight verses of this chapter. Again, you're familiar possibly or probably with this text that deals with the subject of being born again. And uh, I want to consider some thoughts on the kingdom of God here today, the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Uh, John chapter 3, verse number 1, it says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and saith unto him, Rabbi, we know thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles except God be with him. And Jesus said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, Ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, or whether it goeth, so is everyone that is born again. And in verse number three, it talks about seeing the kingdom of God. And it mentions here also in verse number seven, marvel not that I said unto you, must be born again. And we're going to talk about the kingdom of God here today, but let's look at another verse or set of verses that deal with this subject. Let's turn over to Matthew chapter 13. If you want to know about the kingdom of God, or the kingdom of heaven, uh, the book of Matthew emphasizes this very much. In fact, there's 56 references to the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God in the book of Matthew. And certainly an understanding of the kingdom of God could come uh, largely from this book, but especially from the Gospels and certainly from the whole scriptures. But let's read here in Matthew chapter 13. And I want to pick up at verse number 9 there. In Matthew 13, verse number 9 uh, through verse number 17. Matthew chapter 13, verse number 9. Who hath ears to hear? Let him hear. And the disciples came and said, Why speak thou unto them in parables? And he answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it is not given. For whosoever hath, to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not, from him shall not be taken even that which he hath. Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seeing see not, hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing they hear and shall not understand, and seeing they shall see, and shall not perceive. For these people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have they closed. Lest at any time they should see with their 
eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted and I should heal them. But blessed are your ears for they see, eyes, sorry, for they see, and your ears for they hear. For really I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which ye see and have not seen them and to hear those things which you hear and have not heard them. I want to consider some thoughts on the mysteries of the kingdom of God, which the Bible talks about there in verse number 11. It says, it's given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. And so I want to speak on to you uh, concerning this subject, seeing and understanding the kingdom of God. Seeing and understanding the kingdom of God. Let's go ahead and pray as we consider this thought. Father, thank you, Lord, uh, for your word here today. I pray, Lord, that each one would indeed see and hear and uh, come to a place where they understand with their heart what the kingdom of God is about. Father, we know that the kingdom of God is what Jesus preached, and uh, it is what the disciples are called to preach, and certainly, again, what we are, again, called to carry uh, to this world. Help us, again, by your grace, to unveil here, at least to, to some degree this morning, what this kingdom of God is about. Again, I just pray for your blessings on the message here and help those here to hear and understand what they hear. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This, this, this passage here in particular in Matthew chapter 13 talks about hearing and seeing uh, concerning uh, things, concerning the kingdom of God. And, and uh, there are many people that have heard about the kingdom of God. I would guess everybody in their country has heard about God and his kingdom and the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. But I don't believe a lot of people really understand a lot about it. Uh, they believe, again, we are part of this kingdom, maybe just by birth. And there are a lot of different thoughts on how you get into the kingdom of God. And I, I just want to, and again, I'm not going to spend a lot of time there in John chapter 3, but it, it mentions to get into the kingdom of God and to enter in the kingdom of God, you must be born again. You must be born again. Can't enter any other way but being born again. Does everybody here understand that? Do you hear that today? Do you see that? Have you seen that in the Bible? Do you, do you perceive that? Or do you think maybe there's some other alternative? Or, or do you think maybe there's some other way of entering into the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven? As we look at the kingdom of God, we see that people can hear about it, they can see about it, and yet they don't respond well to it. In fact, I want to go back to our text. It says about talking about the parables. He's given these parables, again, uh, for those who are saved by grace to truly understand that, them. And I, I just want to say this. The parables that Jesus brought, whether it's the parable of the sower, the parable of the net, you can go on and on with all the parables. Uh, most of the people that heard him that were unconverted didn't understand what he was even talking about. And you can't understand the things of the kingdom of God without the Spirit of God. And so that... Spirit is given to you when you're born again or born twice. But as we look at the kingdom of God, I just want to look at some general thoughts on it. It's a mystery to most. But in order to enter it, you must understand it. You must see it, in a sense, with spiritual eyes. You must hear about it. You must believe in it. And it mentions this in the text. It says in verse 14... Actually, I'll read verse 13. Therefore, speak I on, uh, to them in parables, because they seeing, they see not, and hearing, they hear not, neither do they understand. And them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which says, by hearing, they hear, 
and shall not understand, and seeing they see and shall not perceive. For these people's heart is wax gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and eyes have they closed. That's at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. No, people can hear about the kingdom of God, but reject it. It's quite obvious in this text, there's a lot of people that hear about the kingdom of God and reject it. You know, people say, you know, to be born again or be born twice, I just don't believe you have to believe that. I mean, all you have to do is do the best you can, follow the golden rules, uh, know what the commandment's about, maybe be religious, maybe be baptized, be confirmed or whatever it might be. And they set up some rules for the entrance in the kingdom of God. But let me ask you this question. If, if God is king of this kingdom... Does he have the right to establish who enters, how they enter, who's participating in this kingdom? He does. He absolutely does. Let me ask you today, are you in the kingdom? Someone says, I don't know. How would you ever know if you're in the kingdom? Let me ask you a general question. Have you been born again? Are you in the kingdom? Except a man be born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Oh, I bet some would wish, and maybe I would wish there were all kinds of ways of entering into the kingdom. But there's only one entrance in the kingdom. It's by being born again. By believing on the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. Are you in the kingdom? Again, if someone's going to understand the kingdom, I want to say they must certainly understand it uh, with their heart, not just with the head. It says, understand with their heart and should be converted. And I should heal them. If we consider some thoughts on the kingdom, seeing and understanding the kingdom of God, let me say, first of all, I want you to see the scope of the kingdom. The scope of the kingdom. What is the kingdom of God? It's not the kingdom of David. It's not the kingdom of Solomon. It's not the kingdom of Elizabeth or whoever it might be. It is the kingdom of God. That's very simple. I mean, uh, that might seem like, why do you even talk about it? I mean, it's the kingdom of God. Everybody knows that's a spiritual kingdom that God has set up. But you know, if you talk about the spiritual kingdom, the kingdom of God, you know, some people think that kingdom's going on right now. It's on this earth. It's it's, it's the kingdom of God. It's, it's maybe the realm of churches or something or, or whatever it might be. They come up with some definition of the kingdom of God. But what is the kingdom of God? It's a voluntary kingdom with spiritual subjects. It's a voluntary kingdom with spiritual subjects. You know, they're spiritual subjects to Satan, right? You understand that? I'm just trying to help maybe here. There are spiritual subjects of Satan that bow to Satan, that have a satanic, quote, Bible. They have satanic practices. They have satanic rules. And someone could say, I understand that for sure. I mean, I've heard about Satanism growing in America and around the world and whatever it might be. And, and someone says, I get that. There's, a, there's, there's, there's people that are subjects to Satan. They're subjects to God. And those subjects are all voluntary. They're voluntary subjects. I mean... Uh, in this spiritual kingdom, the kingdom of God, it's a realm of those who hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and are converted and have been healed. 
Again, as we consider the kingdom of God, there are, there are many, many subjects in the kingdom of God. And there are many, many subjects in the kingdom of darkness or the kingdom of Satan. In Matthew chapter 13, verse number 15, it tells you whose the subjects are. It's those that see with their eyes and hear with the ears, understand with their heart. It should be converted and should be healed. It's the healed. It's the converted. I'll talk about that a little bit later, but I mean, I just want you to just understand there's a kingdom. It's a spiritual kingdom, just like the spiritual darkness and the spiritual kingdom of darkness and the spiritual kingdom of light are at odds with each other. And you see it more today than you do maybe in the past. I can't say for sure, but the kingdom of darkness has its truth, so to speak. And the kingdom of light has the truth. And we think about this subject and we say about what, what's the scope of this kingdom was the kingdom where God is center and God rules and he is the one who tells his subjects what to do or not to do. He is the one who has a system of giving and receiving or, or believing in how things should be done in this world. His subjects span a great amount of history. In fact, if you turn back to Matthew uh, chapter 8 here, we find again his subjects, again, uh, scope a great vast amount of history. There are kingdom subjects of the past, and we're familiar with them. We see some of them mentioned here in Matthew chapter uh, 8, verse number 10 through verse number 11. And I just want to look at this, Matthew chapter 8, verse number 10 and verse 11. Uh, there are many admirable, I call them admirable because they believed in God and God uh, gave them righteousness of the past. And there are historical biblical subjects that are part of this kingdom. Matthew 8, verse number 10 and 11, it says here, And Jesus heard it and marveled and said unto him, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, not in Israel. I say unto you that many shall come from the east and the west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. You know, we know for sure there are some in the kingdom of heaven. They're mentioned here in the Bible. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they are in the kingdom of heaven. And one day we will sit, those who have been saved by grace, those who have been converted in this same kingdom. And so it's a kingdom of true believers. It's a kingdom of those who have truly decided to follow Jesus. It's a kingdom of those who have submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. It is a kingdom of those who are subjects to a king named Jesus or a king that can be also named God. They are in this kingdom and they are converts into this kingdom and they've entered into this kingdom. And so we see the scope of this kingdom is a kingdom of God and those who are part of this kingdom who have been converted into this kingdom. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 25. Have you been converted into the kingdom of God? Have you believed on the Son of God, have you entered into salvation by grace? Are you part of the kingdom of God? It is, first of all, God's kingdom, and it has spiritual subjects to it that are part of this kingdom. Converts of all history that have decided to be converts of God. Some of them certainly started out as, again, subjects of Satan and followers of the world and followers of a vast different kinds of religions, but now they're followers of God. Matthew 25 in verse number 31, the Bible tells us about this coming kingdom and how Jesus will, again, separate the subjects 
of this kingdom and also the other kingdom that we mentioned here, the kingdom of darkness, uh, in, in time to come. In fact, let's read just a little bit about here. Matthew 25, verse number 31. Matthew 25, verse 31, it says, When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, and he shall sit upon the throne of his glory, and before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungered, and he gave me meat. I was thirsty, and he gave me uh, drink. I was a stranger, and he took me in. Naked, and he clothed me. I was sick, and he visited me. I was in prison, and he came to me. And then shall the, I have this underlined in my Bible, the righteous, the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when? saw we hungered and fed thee and thirsty and gave thee drink. When saw thee a stranger and took thee in and naked and clothed thee? Or, or when, when saw we sick or in prison and came to thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, For they I say unto you, inasmuch as you have done it, to the least of one of these brethren ye have done it unto me. Then shall he say unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Just want to stop there. You know, there's a kingdom, a kingdom of darkness. And it mentions again those in the kingdom of the darkness, the devil and his angels. But also mentions some that will be going into that kingdom. And it mentions those in these verses and other verses in the Bible. I'm going to skip through a little bit, but I do this basically to just show you a little bit more about the kingdom. Verse 46, very important verse in the Bible. It says, And these shall go into everlasting punishment. Who are these? Again, it mentions the folks before that, mentions the devil and his angels. But the righteous into life eternal. See, there's two kingdoms. There's two ends. They're two very different and vast kingdoms. The kingdom of darkness, which Satan is a part of, and so are these fallen angels that are mentioned here. And it mentions some that will be set in this kingdom that will go into everlasting punishment. Mentions that verse 46. But it says the righteous into life eternal. It says the righteous, verse 46. Go back to verse 37. Then shall the righteous, then shall the righteous. You know, Someone says, who's, who's in this kingdom? It's again a kingdom that's eternal. It's a kingdom that you enter into through the new birth. It's a kingdom that is eternal. It is endless. Let's turn to Luke chapter 1, verse number 33. You know, uh, people think about kingdoms and, and dynasties and things like that. And there's, in most kingdoms and dynasties, there's a, there's a reign and there's a rule. And it's for a certain amount of years and it's until that guy is, again, or gal is appointed as queen or uh, as matriarch or, or king is patriarch and they're placed as his kingdom rule and they have their subjects and they rule for a set amount of years and maybe until, you know, until the time they die or until they're removed from somebody else. But uh, you find here in, in Luke and, and throughout the scriptures this idea of the kingdom of God and it's eternal. It has no end to it. Luke chapter 1, verse number 33, it says, 
And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there shall be no end. There's no end to the kingdom of God. There's no end to it. It says the same thing in Isaiah chapter 9, verse number 7, concerning the Lord. And I'm not going to have you turn there, but if you're taking notes, I just want to just cross-reference this. When we're talking about the kingdom of God as a kingdom with an unending rule to it, there's no time where Jesus will not be king over his kingdom. He will always have his subjects. Every uh, a subject that enters his kingdom will be in that kingdom till the end. But there is no end. So that might seem kind of confusing. Let's turn to Psalm chapter 125. Psalm 125, God's kingdom is called an eternal kingdom. It is also called an everlasting kingdom. And I just want to mention that and just show you a reference that uh, tells us that. Psalm 125 and uh, verse number three, it says, For the rod of the wicked shall not rest upon the lot of the righteous, lest the righteous put... Whoops, that's the wrong reference there. Um... Well, I've got the wrong reference, obviously there. Psalm 125, it's not there, but the reference, again, you could definitely check this on your phone. That kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Um, But it mentions, again, that in the book of Psalms, I'm sure I just got the reference wrong there. But as we think about the kingdom of God, it is a spiritual kingdom where God in it Subjects rule. They're all voluntary. They're converts to Christianity. They're converts to Christ. They're converts that have decided to subject themselves to God and His rule. Let's turn back to Matthew chapter 5. As you think about this kingdom, it mentions there in the Bible that there are folks that are part of this kingdom. It is the righteous that are part of this kingdom. Doesn't mean, again, people can become righteous on their own, but they can become righteous through salvation in Jesus Christ. Again, we'll look at that just a little later, Lord willing. But uh, we see in this kingdom, and we see outside this kingdom, that it's certainly a spiritual kingdom. Matthew chapter 5, if you turn over there with me, Matthew 5, it's a, it's a righteous kingdom. It's a right kingdom. And uh, it mentions some things about those in the kingdom. In fact, it's parable... Uh, sorry, the Sermon on the Mount mentions this here in Matthew chapter 5, verse number 8. It says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed is the peacemaker, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they when men shall revile and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for, per, for so persecuted they, the prophets that were before you. And it goes on and says some more about this, but again, you see again some thoughts on those in the kingdom of God. It mentions the pure in heart shall see God. Who's going to see God in his kingdom? The pure in heart? Well, the peacemaker, it's mentions there in verse number nine, and the persecuted, in verse number 10, and it mentions there's reward in that kingdom. And so what someone decides, again, by faith to enter in this kingdom, uh, they are now subjects of the kingdom. They are part of a kingdom of, of right and righteousness and a kingdom with different rules than this world has. 
And so those are the people that are part of this kingdom. As we think about this kingdom, I want us to consider who is not part of this kingdom. If we turn back to our text there in Matthew chapter 13, who is who's not part of this kingdom? You know, with every kingdom, there are subjects and there's certainly other subjects in other kingdoms. Uh, as we think about those that are not part of this uh, kingdom, we see those uh, subjects mentioned here in uh, verse 14 and following. It says, uh, in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, by hearing they shall hear and shall not understand, and seeing they shall see and not perceive. Uh, for these people's heart is wax gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have they closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and should understand with their hearts, and should be converted, and I should heal them. Someone says, who's not part of this kingdom? Those that are unresponsive to the words of the kingdom, the truths of the kingdom. We could say it's the spiritually deaf, the spiritually blind. That's who's not part of this kingdom. Those that reject and neglect the truths of the kingdom, the preaching of the kingdom, the righteousness of the kingdom, the rules of the kingdom, the God of the kingdom. Those that will not be subjects to the king of this kingdom. And so it mentions the unresponsive. But if you turn over to 1 Corinthians, it also mentions here the unrighteous. And uh, again, someone says, uh, who's the unrighteous? Well, it helps here in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 to establish who, who is the unrighteous. Again, as we think of those who are not part of this kingdom, the unrighteous are not part of this kingdom. Verse number 9, it says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor abusers, uh, adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves, of mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. Very important verse follows this in verse number 11. But such were some of you, you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified by the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. Who's not part of this kingdom? Well, it mentions there directly in verse number nine, know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Unrighteous sinners will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those who have not been changed, those who have not been converted, those who have not been made righteous. We read about the righteous there in Matthew 25. It mentions the righteous. Here it mentions the unrighteous are not part of this kingdom. And so who are the unrighteous? It's the, the people that are involved with these, uh, again, these sins that are enumerated here, these sins, these, these sinful lives that are uh, mentioned here is the fornicator, the idolater, the adulterer, the effeminate, the abusers of themselves with mankind, the thieves, the covetous, the drunkards, the revilers, the extortioners. And it mentions them not being part of this kingdom. But I just want to mention this. It's very important. Verse 11, and such were some of you. Such were some of you. Some of you were this before. You were, again, any of these sins and sinful lives mentioned. And such were some of you. But you are washed, you're sanctified, and you're justified by the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. 
You know, and a righteous man could be made righteous through the blood and through the gospel. But here we see the unrighteous mentioned as people not in this kingdom. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 5. It goes over and talks about this a little bit more here. And again, it defines it just a little bit differently over here in Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 5 through 8. It doesn't use the same words here. It uses some different words here. But it mentions not only the unrighteous, but simply the unclean. You know, the first thing you think about maybe unclean in the Bible, you think about the leper. And you think about him being unclean. But here it means not clean. As in, in other words, not clean means not made pure in some way. Not washed. Not washed by the blood of Jesus. Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 5, it says, For this you know that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of God and in Christ. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the, right, the wrath of God among the children of disobedience. Be not therefore partakers with them. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye in the light of the Lord. Walk as children of light. Here it mentions again here the unclean person, the covetous man, the adulterer, and these all outside the kingdom of God. Again, who's in the kingdom of God? We looked at this already, but it's the converted. And you've seen that back in our text there in, uh, in, in, in the book of Matthew. It mentions who's not in there. Well, the unconverted. And again, the word converted simply means to be turned or changed from one state to another. 1828 Webster Dictionary defines it as a change from a state of sin to a state of holiness. That's the last part of the definition. Again, that's no Webster's Dictionary, but it just says change from a state of sin to a state of holiness. To be converted. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 5. Someone says, well, there's, there's these certain righteous people. I mean, they're just, they're just like perfect people. They're, they're, they're people that do everything right. They're, they're like Jesus. They're, they're walking around uh, this world. There's, there's none like them. In fact, Matthew chapter 5 makes this clear. Matthew 5, verse number 20, it says, For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you shall in no case enter in the kingdom of God. So here's the problem. People aren't righteous. There's no human on this world that is righteous. There are people that are religious and they think they're righteous. There are people that have indeed personal righteousness. In fact, it mentions the Pharisees have a righteousness that needs to be exceeded. Let's turn to Philippians chapter 3. How can someone get a righteousness that exceeds the religious righteousness of the Pharisees. I mean, think about the Pharisees, and I'm not saying they're, they're like the perfect kind of righteousness, but they're followers of the law. They're fasters. They're people that pray. They're people that seek to worship God in, in a sense, in spirit and in truth, in their way, but not in a right way, as Romans chapter 10 talks about. Here the Bible, uh, again, gives us a, uh, some help in understanding this righteousness in Philippians chapter 3, in verse number 3 through verse number 9, just follow along with me if you would. Philippians chapter 3, verse number 3. For we are of the circumcision which worship God in spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. 
Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any one think that he hath, wherever he might trust in his flesh, I the more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of Hebrew, as touching of the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the law of righteousness, which is of the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, I count but loss. Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but dung, that I might win Christ and be found in him, important verse, not having my own righteousness, his righteousness being an Israelite, his, his, his righteousness being a Benjamite, his, his righteousness being someone that had a zeal for the law and persecuting the church's law. His righteousness concerning the law, the Old Testament laws, again, trying to follow those things and being blameless, it mentions there in verse number seven. And it mentions here in verse number nine, it says, and being found in him having not mine own righteousness, which is the law, but, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Righteousness by faith. Not righteousness by doing, but righteousness by faith. Righteousness by grace. Righteousness by the blood. That's what the Bible teaches. Again, to be entering the kingdom of God, we need His righteousness. No one might say, I got my own righteousness. Yes, you do. Paul had his. Paul could have claimed, you know, I can have confidence in my flesh. There's a lot of Jews that had confidence in their flesh. They thought they were doing just, just right. But they were wrong. Let's turn to Romans chapter 10. You think about the righteousness of the Jew. The righteousness of Jew, they had, again, in a sense, as part of their background, the people of God. I mean, think about having, you know, you're a Jew, you have... In your background, you can say, you know, Abraham was there. Jacob was there. All these guys of the past, gals of the past, all these guys are there. We're of the right religion. But Paul said none of that. The righteousness which is by faith. Romans 10, verse 1, it says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness... And going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law of righteousness to everyone that believeth. So, so how do you get this righteousness? It's through belief on the Lord Jesus Christ. No way of getting around this. The Jews had their righteous system. They had their laws. They followed them. Paul followed them or Saul followed them. But there's a righteousness that we need. Verse 8 goes on. I'm going to skip through a few verses. Says, but what saith it? The word is nigh unto thy mouth and to thy heart, which is the word of faith, which we preach. That thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him should not be ashamed. For there's no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord is uh, over all, is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
So we, we, we're, we're looking at who's part of this kingdom. Those that have called upon the name of the Lord to be saved. Those that have believed on him. John 6, 40 mentions that. John 10, verse number 26, etc. Talks about that. Let's turn over to John, if you would, just quickly. As we consider the mysteries of the kingdom of God, are you in that kingdom? And are you a part of that kingdom now? Are you part of a spiritual kingdom that is not of this world? Are you part of a, a kingdom where God is your king and you are one of his subjects? It's something you need to consider and, and to ponder and to think about. You can reject the kingdom, but you also can accept the kingdom. John 18, let's turn over there. This kingdom is not of this world. Again, we think about today and sadly, sometimes we get to think of too much of this world and we think too much of what's going on politically and nationally and all these kind of things. And we think about all these things that are going on and we think about, oh no, what's going on here? God is still king. And his subjects are still following his rules and his guidelines. And there are people again on the other side, on the kingdom of darkness. And they're warring against the kingdom of God. And they'll lose in the end. John chapter 18, verse number 33. John 18, verse number 33. Jesus never denied being a king. In fact, look at this text here, John chapter 18, verse 33. It says, And Pilate entered into judgment, hailed hail all again, and called Jesus and said, Art thou king of the Jews? And Jesus answered, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it of thee? And Pilate answered, I am a Jew, and I know nation, and thy chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world, if my kingdom were of this world, then my servants fight that I should be delivered from the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence or not from here. Verse 37, Pilate therefore said to them, Art thou a king then? And Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world that I should bear witness of the truth. And everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Just want to stop and state, and someone says, well, what's his kingdom about? It's, it's a kingdom of truth. It's a kingdom of right. It's not a kingdom of this world. It mentions there, my kingdom is not of this world. But yet it says in verse number 36, but now is my kingdom not of hence. It's not of here right now. His kingdom was set up to begin with as an invisible kingdom. But it'll one day be a, a visible kingdom, a tangible kingdom. In fact, if you turn over to Matthew 6, uh, we think about the kingdom of God and we say, what is this kingdom? It's a spiritual kingdom. It's where, again, subjects, both of the history past and of today, have decided to be subjects of the king through faith. It's mysterious, it's not understood, and it's rejected of many, but it's still a true kingdom. But we talk about this kingdom also in future terms. Matthew chapter 6, verse number 10, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. I mean, people talk about this being the Lord's Prayer. I, I call it more the model prayer. We pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We're part of a kingdom, but we want to see a kingdom where Jesus truly rules. And he will rule. 
Matthew 2.26, uh, uh, Revelation 2.27, Revelation chapter 19 uh, mentions his coming rule. And I, I just want us to turn, if you would, here to Zechariah chapter 14. Zechariah chapter 14. At the end of the Old Testament, you have, uh, again, uh, several books there uh, towards the end of the Old Testament. The second to last book in the Old Testament is the book of Zechariah. And there's a lot of good Bible prophecy on the millennial kingdom and kingdom to come in the book of Zechariah. As we consider again this mystery of the kingdom, we have a, a kingdom right now that is not visible, but one day will be visible and will be tangible. And it's talked about here in Zechariah. And so I just want to read a few verses out of here. I'll start in verse number, uh, let's start in verse number five. It says, And ye shall flee from the valley of the mountains to the valley of the mountains, and shall reach to Aziel. Yea, they shall flee like they fled before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, the king of Judah. And the Lord my God shall come, and all the saints with thee. And it shall come to pass in that day that the light shall not be clear nor dark, but it shall be one day which shall be known to the Lord, not day nor night, but it shall come, then at evening time it shall be light. And it shall be in that day that the living waters will go out from Jerusalem, half of them toward the former sea and half of them toward the hinder sea. In the summer and the winter it shall be, and the Lord shall be king over all the earth. And in that day shall there be one Lord and his name one. Verse number nine, mentioning that there being one Lord, one ruler, one king over all the earth, and that's coming. I mentioned some more things about that rule. It's going to come from Jerusalem. We've talked about that rule before, and I'm not going to talk about it uh, very much here today, but let's skip to verse 16. It's going to come to pass that everyone that's left of all the nations that come against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year to worship the king. Lord of hosts, and to keep the feast of tabernacles. So, and then verse 17, it shall be that whosoever will not come up to, of the families of the earth unto Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, even upon them shall be no rain. And it goes on to say some other things, but there is a coming kingdom. An earthly kingdom is coming too. And my question to you here this morning is, are you part of the kingdom of God? Let's turn back to John chapter 3. Are you part of the kingdom of God? Or are you outside the kingdom of God? Are you converted? Are you in the kingdom? Are you in this eternal kingdom that you will always be in? You've entered into voluntary by faith and through the gospel message. John chapter 3, verse 3, it says, And Jesus answered, said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Verse, two, verse 7, it says, Marvel not that I said you must be born again. You're in the kingdom or you're outside. Again, it's up to you whether you subject yourself to Jesus as king. Let's close in prayer as we consider the word of God here this morning.